Today, the title of the message is No Conditions. No Conditions. What we're going to unpack this morning is just how deep, how wide, how powerful, how unbelievably amazing the love of God is. There's a beautiful chapter in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Maybe you've seen this verse before or heard it at a wedding, or maybe you had someone read it at your wedding who you didn't want to be in the bridal party, but you said, I need you to do something because you're that cousin or family member that I got to have do something, so just read 1 Corinthians 13, right? I would say no one in this room has ever done it, but maybe you have. Who knows? But it's way more powerful than just a reading at a wedding. It's way more powerful than just putting it on a calendar or on a daily little card devotional. This is God describing, Paul describing the love of God that we have, that we can experience and know. And it says this, love is patient. Woo, stop right there. There is a whole message right there today. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Let that sink in. Woo. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. What I'm going to give you today is the understanding of the truth. I know it's a popular phrase right now, and I'm not demeaning any hurt or difficult situations you've gone through, whether you're here in person or watching online, but my truth is not a thing. You have experiences, but ultimately those experiences, whether good or bad, have to surrender to the truth that is God and the love that he has for you. The healing that he has for you, that is truth. The miracle that he has for you, that is truth. The power and trust that you can put in him because he has the truth that he has given us. The truth can set you, the truth will set you free. Let's keep going. (laughs) Love never gives up, it never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I want you to know that kind of love today not just in what we call your horizontal relationships, your marriages or dating relationships or friendships or family, that's horizontal, but also in your vertical relationship as well. The vertical relationship of there is a God who wants me to be able to know him and experience him and and go to deeper levels of his love. See, scientists have told us that humans, we are what's described as an open loop creature, meaning that animals, they're closed loop, just instinct, habit. They just are always who they are. But humans, we are open loop, meaning that we have the opportunity to know and experience something bigger than ourselves. And I want to tell you today, we have the answer to what that something is, and that something is a someone. And his name is Jesus. The love that we just described is the love that he has for you. What I want you to know today is you don't have to walk through life empty. You don't have to walk through life discouraged. You don't have to walk through life figuring out where the next satisfaction is going to come from. I want you to understand that you can be filled with God's love today because here's what happens when you're filled with God's love. Write this down. When filled with God's love, we can do and see and understand things that we could not otherwise do or see or understand. How many of you guys have things in your life that you don't understand that have happened to you? Yeah, oh, there we go. Come on. Good full participation today, local city. I like it. Raise your hand at home as well. We don't understand everything. There are things that we want to do, but we just can't do. The Apostle Paul encourages us when he says, why do I always do the things that I hate when I know I want to do the things that are good? Well, when you're filled with God's love, it begins to take over. It begins to move inside of you. 
See, I, I grabbed this, I wrote this statement down in my journal, but this came from a big quote that I, that I read in researching for this message this week. It says this, when filled with God's love, again, we can do and see and understand what we could not otherwise do or see or understand. But let's keep going. Let's read this overall quote if you'll throw it up on the screen. It says, with filled with God's love, we can endure pain. We can quell fear. We can forgive freely. We can avoid contention. We can renew strength and bless and help others in ways surprising even to us. Now, how many would want that for your life, right? To endure through that pain, forgive freely, and keep going no matter what? Well, let me give you the secret today. And then we'll pray and jump into the heart of the message. The secret of being filled is knowing how God loves us. Now, maybe you've been in church for a while. You know why God loves us. Maybe you haven't been in church. Let me give you the why. The why of why God loves us is just because he does. <laughs> he's our creator, so he can do whatever he wants. And he's chosen to love us. Why does he love us? Because we are his sons and daughters who are found in his family. Why does he love us? Because he formed us out of the dirt and breathed life into us. Why does he love us? Because he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price that we couldn't pay. So we could be forgiven and set free when he conquered death and sin and the grave. It's the why. But how? That's what we're going to talk about today. How does God love me, Ryan? How do I know that each and every day God is with me and God is for me? How do I know? It's a great question. Let's pray let's find out how God loves you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, whether you're watching online or here in person. God, we're so thankful that we can know how you love us. And God, we pray that we would write some things down today and listen and lean in. God, I'm so thankful for every single person here in this room or watching online and whoever calls local city home. God, I pray that you would bless them, strengthen them, and lift them up today. God, I pray for all of our amazing kids in the hallway right now at Local City Kids and our kids team who helps our young age of kids fall in love with Jesus so that the next generation knows the truth of who Jesus is. And God, today, we just pray that we would know the no conditions of your love. And today we would walk out changed, a little bit more free, a little bit more strengthened, a little bit more encouraged because you're a good God. We love you. We thank you. We're excited to be in your house today. In Jesus' name, once again, we all say, come on, give me a good amen, and let's jump into the message today. So love is a big thing, and people have been trying to figure out what love is. Like, what is love? Great song. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me, right? Like, yes, please don't hurt me. I don't want to hurt you today. But we want to know what love is. And so there was over 100 researchers who over the last few years tried to answer this question. And what they wanted to do was ask a group of people who hadn't been hurt or tainted or broken by culture or the world yet. And so they found a little sample study, and they asked kids who were four to eight years old what love is. Now, we love seeing this even in our son, Shepherd. We love to share wins of what God is doing in our house, not just to say, hey, we have it all together, look how great we're doing, but to tell you to not give up on the things God has called you to do. So we have made the decision, no matter what, we're always going to pray every day as a family. And what we've been trying to do over the last couple of weeks is having Shepherd, our son, pray. And sometimes he says no. Recently, though, he said yes. Now, we have to do a specific thing. It used to be we'd have to put the blanket over our head so he, so he couldn't see that we were looking at him. Now we have to, like, put our head in our shirt. We have to, like, turtle it up so that he knows that he's alone. But just like the other day, he prayed, uh, God, it's so great that you're here. Our little son in our house prayed, dear God, it's so great that you're here 
with us. I want to tell you today, that's a big win for our house. We love that. This little guy, almost four years old, can begin to know the love of Jesus. The Bible tells us, and we're going to see this in some examples I'm going to show you. The Bible tells us that it's from the mouth of babes that the praises of God are proclaimed. Because kids are great. They have fun. They, they don't meet anyone they don't like, want to have fun with. Sometimes I think we need to bring ourselves back to the heart of a child. Here's what child, children have to say about love. The first one is from Billy, age four. He says, what love is, is when someone loves you and the way they say your name is different. You just know your name is safe in their mouth. Ooh, I like that. Thank you, Billy. That's good. Age four. All right, this next one's from Carrie, age five. She says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. Come on, that's nice. That's really nice. I was a middle school youth pastor for years. And the biggest fight I would get in with my guys in cabins and hotel rooms was, guys, I'm collecting all the Axe body spray before we get started. Because number one, it doesn't work. And number two, you coat that stuff on, and it's just good smell on top of stink, which is still stink, all right? Like, it didn't work. But that's what maybe what love is for Carrie. Here's what Chrissy says, age six. Love is when you go out to, that's supposed to say eat, sorry. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. Now that's love right there. I mean, I mean that, that's food. That's the serious stuff that we're talking about, all right? I know some of our husbands are like, no, I just tell my wife, order your own. And if there's left, you know, you could, then if we have to take it home, we'll take it home. <laughs> Bobby, age seven, says this. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas. If you stop opening presents, and just listen. Oh, man, that one really touched you, and I'm glad, because it really touched me, too. That's good stuff. I mean, I love Christmas, but this statement right there, I mean, that's beautiful. That's powerful. And here's the last one. It's from Jessica, age eight. You really shouldn't say, I love you, unless you mean it. But if you mean it, say it a lot, because people forget. See, maybe you've forgotten today that God loves you. Maybe you've forgotten today that there is a community of people that love you called the church, I don't want you to forget it. I want you to know it today. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that Pastor Ryan and Adrian love you. And the church community here loves you. You are not alone. And we so desperately want you to know the love of God and know the love of a life-giving community. That yes, it may be your first day in church, but you can keep coming back and see what God wants to do in your life so you don't forget who you are. So you don't forget the God that loves you. For you don't forget the Jesus who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. God loves you, Jesus. Jesus loves you, we love you, and this is the place where you can grow in that. There's a disciple that followed Jesus, and he wrote a few books of the Bible, and uh, he has a name that I'll give you in a second, but when he wrote his book, his gospel, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. I can't, if I was a disciple, I can't think of a more annoying way to, to refer to yourself. Like, what's your name? Well, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. Great. What's your actual name? Well, his actual name was John, and he was the youngest disciple that followed Jesus, so we can give him some credit. We can, you know, give him some slack there. Um, but he wrote, obviously, the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation. And he writes 1st John later on. So John he is his book that he describes the, describes the life of Jesus, talking about the love of God. Well, in 1 John, what he's doing is not only talking about the love of God, but how that leads us to be able to have a relationship with him. What was going on in biblical culture at this time was that followers of Jesus were surrendering and giving themselves over to the fact that they just wanted to know the secret knowledge about God. 
there was kind of this enemy of the church called the Gnostics, and they were coming in and saying, hey, there's secret knowledge of the earth out there, and, if you, and only a few people, only select people are able to know it. And Christian leaders and church leaders at that time were like, no, that's not it at all. It's not just knowledge. It's relationship. It's love. It's care. Here's what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It's that God showed how much he loved us. There's that how word. God has showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Look at the care and deep relationship that John uses to describe how God loves us. He sent his one and only son. When Shepherd breaks a toy I know he has multiple of, I don't really care. You, got, you have another one, so it's fine. But when he breaks one, especially a little bit more valuable one that we only have one of, I'm like, no. <laughs> That's the only one we had. I need you to understand that Jesus was the only son that God had. The only, the only thing that he had put so much value and worth in. And he sent Jesus to be a sacrifice through real love. Not again that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Look at the depth of the word sacrifice. See, on the cross, Jesus didn't say, hey, uh, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna believe in me, right? Like, I'm about to do something pretty intense. You guys are gonna believe in me, right? I just wanna make sure. Like, how many... How many of you guys are those people that when people say they're going to meet somewhere, you send like three or four confirmation texts so you're not the only one that shows up at the restaurant or the movie? Hey, you guys are actually going, right? You're not playing a prank on me because I I don't want to make the sacrifice of going and then I'm the only one there. Jesus didn't do that. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from the book of Romans where the Apostle Paul reminds us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were at our worst, While we were broken and messed up and had nothing going on, that's when Jesus died for us. When he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing because it was all about relationship. It was all about forgiveness. It was all about the sacrifice. And see, sometimes we read these verses and we read them in English, obviously. And and the original scriptures, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew And there's about four times more words in the Hebrew language than there is in English. Let's take, for instance, the Psalms. There's a lot of Psalms that say, praise the name of the Lord, or praise God in his house, or let's lift up a shout of praise. Well, we have one word for praise. In Hebrew, there are seven words for praise. And some of them mean we stand and praise in silence and peace before our God. Another word for praise means we fall on our knees. Another word for praise is we shout with the loudest shout we can exclaim the goodness of God. Different meanings and different words, but we just say praise. (laughs) Love is the same way. Now, the New Testament is written in Greek. And so, again, there's way more words in Greek than there are in English. And when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God and love others, he uses a very specific word for love. Now, let me give you all the kinds of love that are mentioned in Bible in the Bible. There's four of them. The first one is storge, and that is, if you want to throw it up on the screen, that's just natural affection. It's that love that we have for people in our life, the love of people, natural affection. Two is phileo, which is friendship. It's where we get the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It's the 
friendship, love that you have for those friends that you've grown up with, the ones that you love hanging out with, it's phileo. Third one is eros, that is the physical attraction, the intimacy that we step into. Someone said, hey, hey, yep, all right, that's good. Eros love out there, it's fun, physical attraction. But this one is the only one that only God can do and that he's given, given us the decision to do as well, and that's the word agape, unconditional love. I remember I missed, uh, I was actually a really good speller in elementary school, and I got to go to our school spelling bees every year, and honestly, I remember every single word that I ever missed <laughs> in those spelling bees still, you know, 25 plus years later. Agape was one of them, because when I was studying the words, I was obviously like in third grade, so I read it like, oh, agape, A-G-A-P-E, and then, then they said agape, I was like, what? I've never heard that word before. I didn't know how to pronounce it, so obviously I spelled it wrong and cried and sat down and let my whole school down. Uh, but thanks for having unconditional love for me to know that I'm broken and I make mistakes. But agape is unconditional love. It's why the title of today is No Conditions. It's meaning that when God says he loves you, that's it, period. Like, he doesn't say, okay, I love you if you do right. I love you if you perform I love you if you show up on a Sunday. I love you if you read your Bible. I love you. No, I, I just love you. There's no conditions. The Bible encourages us to remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is very true. There is no physical force or mistake or sin that can separate you from the love of God. But what distracts us from that love? Our own pride. To say, you know, okay, I'm, just, I'm actually refusing God's love right now. And that is something that would separate us from it. And I want you to know that the love that you have, the availability of knowing, is unconditional. Here's a definition that I saw for agape that I wanted to share for you. Agape love is this. It's intentional and unconditional expression that chooses to do something caring or helpful regardless the cost or consequence. That's real love. True love is when you don't expect anything in return. True love is being intentional about it, making the decision. I've said this before almost every week this series, is that love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love has feelings. Love has emotions. But ultimately, love is a decision. Love is a choice to be intentional and be unconditional in the expression that I give someone else, to be caring and helpful and encouraging regardless the cost, regardless the consequence. That's what real love is. Again, when Jesus came, he left everything in heaven, the most amazing place that will ever exist. He left all of that and came here. Regardless of the cost or consequence, regardless of what people were gonna say and how they were gonna hurt him and betray him, regardless of the fact that he was gonna give his life and people would still not believe in him and defame his name, he still did it because his love is agape. It's unconditional we receive that love, and, our, and God says our one command is to show it to others. You want to know how the church and the people of Jesus will change the world? Removing all the conditions on the love that they have for people. Whether they agree with us politically, or they drive us crazy on social media, or they look different than us. It all doesn't matter, because it all again surrenders to the unconditional agape love of God that we've been given. God doesn't look at you and say, okay, well, I'm sorry, but we disagree on some things, and so bleh, I can't love you. Or I'm sorry, you've made some mistakes and said some hurtful things about me, so you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, keeping that in, I'm taking inventory and keeping that in my mind. I'm sorry, I can't love you. 
I mean, that is not what God does. And God, has, yes, thank God. Like, when we've downloaded that, we've received it, and so the only thing we can do is express that to others. People do that every single Sunday here at Local City Church. They wake up early. Consequence of getting up early or cost. Consequence of sometimes going unnoticed. People not seeing what they do. And it's called the local city home team. They set up cameras and speakers and teach your kids and welcome you and park your cars and lay out little blankets so, that, so you can come closer here in the auditorium and pick up trash for you because they have an unconditional love for the people that call local city home because they know what they've received from God and the one thing they want to do is serve and show that to other people. Can you give me a shout out for the home team today, our volunteers, that does such a great job. And listen, we are unapologetic about inviting you into that. Today is growth track step two, meaning it's where you can find your purpose, where you can connect. We'll throw it up on the screen because you can know it's growth track day, that this is the day that you can come and connect to what God's doing in you, what God wants to do through you. I'm just unapologetically a pastor who says, if you want to be fulfilled, you need to be serving and building God's house. Not because we need it. We don't. We have an incredible group of people. Now we could reach more people. The more people that serve, the more our church grows. But honestly, I need you to understand that when you build God's house, he builds your life. How does God love you? By saying, hey, here's how I've created you, and here's how you can use it to build my house. Here's how you can use it to build and establish a legacy. You don't have to sing or speak from stage or play an instrument. You can welcome people. You can organize things. You can teach and laugh with kids. It all works together to be the capital C church of what local city is. And what we've realized, again, is what, again, what John says in 1 John chapter 4, going a couple verses before. He says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is important, this last part. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I wanted to give you a statement today that I think is really going to help you, but it's also going to really challenge you. Some of us, we've had dysfunctional relationships our whole life. Some of us, we find ourselves isolated and disconnected at times. And I've seen that in my life. I've seen the way I've placed hurt on people or held grudges or been bitter or held on to unforgiveness. And I always tell you, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> Just not good. And what I've realized in my life, and I'm trying to surrender this more and more, is that if I'm having trouble with people, it might not be a people issue, it might be a God issue. In the sense of that, like we talked about last week, I'm trying to get too much of my worth and value from people. Now again, people are a compliment to us, it's not good for us to be alone. But whether it's my wife or my best friend or my church, they cannot replace Jesus in my life. They cannot replace what only Jesus and what only God can do. And if I have Unforgiveness towards people, maybe I have unforgiveness towards God. If I have dysfunction in my life with people, maybe I have dysfunction in my relationship with God. What I want you to understand today is that God is open and willing to deal with all of that and walk with you through the journey of figuring out healing and restoration, but ultimately our relationship with God influences everything else. That's why we say, we, we call this practice the My 15, where every morning we encourage you to take 15 minutes at your first 15 minutes and spend it with God. Five minutes of time in the Bible, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of worship. And I promise you, you will, live, you will approach the rest of the day in a little better, better mindset. 
you'll realize, wait, why did that, what that person said not make me so mad? Why do I feel more connected in my marriage today? Why are my kids suddenly not bothering me as much as they do when they have done in the past when they haven't listened? Why is my boss not like, why do I just feel better? Because we've realized my relationship with God affects everything else. Now, I'm not saying you have to, like, be a jerk to people and be like, hey, I'm good with God, so I don't need you. No, that's gross, and we don't do that here at our church. Because we realize we love God and we love others with that agape, no conditions, unconditional love. Because when we do this together, we actually become the picture that God created us to be. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, which he wrote to the church in Ephesus at that time, he says this. He says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I love that. I just want Jesus to be at home in my life. Because that means he's never leave. He's always going to be there. He's going to be able to help me as I trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, yes, God, please, the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love for us. Let me take a break. There's a period there, so let me take a break and give you some teaching that's always encouraged me with these four phrases. How wide, meaning that's big enough for everybody. How long, means that it lasts forever. How high, meaning it's something you continue to elevate into more and more the more you know it. And how deep, it's something that even the biggest of problems cannot hold their breath in. It will die and surrender to the power and depth of the love of God in your life. If you experience that love, come on, give me a good amen today. You're thankful for the wide, long, high, and deep love that God has for you. Now, here's what Paul is inviting you to do. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, then the bold words, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, I'm a big movie buff. One of my favorite movies is a movie that came out in the 90s, Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise. I'm not saying you should go watch it, but I do love that movie, all right? And one of the famous lines of that movie is when he looks at Renee Zellweger and his tears in his eyes in his Tom Cruise way, he goes, you complete me. I'm like, it's very nice, it's good in a rom-com, but it does not make sense in real life. I love Adrian with everything in me but she does not complete me. Only God does. She's a compliment to me, but she does not complete me. How am I made complete? All the fullness and power that comes from God. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, only God completes me. Just so you know, only God completes me. It might be awkward and, good and weird, but that's good. Put in the chat as well. Only God completes me. Now, I wanted you to laugh a little bit because I got these last closing points as we finish today. I want to lean into um, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, I, I love reading it because it's like poetic description of the Bible. Here's a quote that he says, love, yes, God loves us, but his love is passionate and seeks faithful, committed love in return. God does not want tame pets to fondle and feed. He wants mature, free people who will respond to him in authentic individuality. I love that phrase. For that to happen, there must be honesty and truth the self must be toppled from its pedestal, and there must be pure hearts and clear intelligence, confession of sin, and commitment in faith. As I was reading this quote, I really believe that in the scriptures that we've read today and what Eugene Peterson tells us in this quote, there's three things that we need to understand of how God loves us that there are no questions to, that these are how God loves us. I want to give them to you today because I want you to walk out of this room confident knowing this is how God loves me. Would you write these down for me? There's three of them. The first one is honesty, that honestly, God loves you. How does God love you? He loves you with honesty, honestly. 
It's how God loves you, because it's loyal, it's kind, and it's sincere. God loves you, honestly, loyal. He's never going to leave you. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's also kind. The Bible encourages us again that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Not the forcefulness, not the power, but the kindness of God who simply cares for us that leads us to realize, yes, I am a sinner. And it's sincere. What is sincerity? Being open and honest with you. Sincerity, that's the simplistic form of what it is. That's someone who is open with you and honest with you. I want you to understand one of the best things that, about God is that he's honest. That he looks at you and says, you know what? No, you are not enough. You're not. You can't get through this life on your own. You can do some things. Yes, you can accomplish things. You can learn how to do things. But you're not enough. One day there is going to be a situation or problem that you face in your life that is going to be too much for you. One of the biggest kind of lies that maybe you've heard in church before is that God never gives you more than you can handle. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, I'm standing on this stage telling you this is more than I can handle. <laughs> but I realize that I can say that scripture every single day. God, I cast all my worries and cares and anxieties and fears. I give them to you because you care about me and you're the one that can handle them. Yes, God will give us more than we can handle so that we can surrender and give it to him. That's the honesty of God. The honesty is also that, hey, we've messed up. I have made mistakes. I have sinned. I have broken God's law. Again, it tells us, for all, all, all people, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. We all needed the Savior of Jesus to come into our life. And God is sincere about that. So what I love about God is the fact that he can be honest with you and say, yeah, you, you know, you've, you've messed up. But I want to take that mess and turn it into a message. I want to take your sin and help you understand that it's wiped clean, you're forgiven and set free, so you can help the other person that's been walking in sin be forgiven and set free. I just started a group on Thursday mornings with some business leaders in our church, and one of the guys around the table said something I'll never forget, and he said, I just want my life to be the break in the generational curse that my family has experienced. Like, I want my life, I want it to stop with me, whatever that is. And sometimes God needs to be honest with and say, hey, it's not just about you, it's about the family and generations that are coming after you, that I want to help you in those things. The second one is that God, he loves us intimately. Intimately, coming from the word intimacy, which if, you, if you've ever gone through some teaching about that word, essentially what it means is that I'm, with intimacy, it's helping you into me, you see. You see everything about me. I'm real and honest. The three things about intimacy is that God wants to see you, he wants to know you, and he wants to love you. So the biggest thing the enemy tries to get us to feel is that God doesn't see us anymore. The biggest thing that God tries to get us, that, that the enemy tries to get to distract us from is that God doesn't know what we're going through. Like my life is too small for God to care. I'm just one person on this world with billions of people. There is no way God knows what I'm going through. That is a lie, it's not true, he does. Because he's omnipotent, he's all powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. See, not only are there verses in the Bible and miracles in the Bible where God parts the Red Sea or Jesus raises someone from the dead, there's always also miracles where Jesus provides wine at a wedding. There's also miracles where a guy loses his tool in the river and God helps him find it. Like, it's the big stuff and the small stuff. 
I want you to know that God is so big and so massive that all our problems seem small in comparison to him, but he's also so intimate where you can realize that you're seen and known and that every little aspect of your life that you're dealing with, God knows and cares for and is with you in it no matter what. I'm thankful for the intimacy of God to be seen and known and loved. God sees you right now, not in a weird way of like, hey, God's watching you, so watch what you do. That's the church I grew up in. I don't want that for you. What I want for you is, hey, God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees what you're dealing with. And he simply says, would you let me help you with that? I'll take it. I'll help you. I'll be there for you. I'll give you strength because I see it and I know about it, but I need you to simply receive the love that I have for you. It's no conditions, but God is not forceful. We simply have to say, God, I surrender and bring that into my life. The last one is, this is a big one. So we got honesty, we have intimacy, and the last one is that God leads from authority. And this might be the hardest one for us to deal with right now in our culture and day. And, but I want you to know that God leads from authority because he is someone we can trust, someone we can follow, and someone we can listen to. When people would describe the way Jesus taught, they would always use this phrase. He teaches as someone with authority from God. What I want you to understand, local city, as we begin to close today, is God has authority in my life. Meaning that what God says goes. What God wants to happen, I simply surrender and trust in. Because I've understood that he loves me honestly, he loves me intimately, and I also know the promises in scripture. That God says the plans I have for you are ones of hope and a future. That God says that yeah, while you were still sinners, but I still loved you and gave my life for you. That Jesus has come to serve and give his life for us. That we were created from the inmost part of our being. We've been created and knit together by our heavenly Father God. So yes, I do trust him. And so I need us to come to this place. Some of the biggest confidence and strength and freedom that I have in my life is simply saying, you know what? The buck doesn't stop with me in decision making. It stops with God. Because I realize that, again, there are going to be things I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do them. I don't know how to take care of this thing. But I can take a moment and take a deep breath and say, you know what, God? You lead me with authority. And so I'm just going to trust you. It's, the, again, that these ideas that this is my thing or this is how I feel, that's great. But God leads our lives with authority. We have to trust him with that. It's been said before, it's one of my favorite quotes, you know, that the church is a hospital for broken people, not a museum for perfect people because you put a perfect masterpiece in a museum. We're not a museum, we're a hospital. But let me just tell you that we need to be a hospital, not, for lack of a better phrase, like an insane asylum. <laughs> What's insanity? Walking out those doors and doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. What makes a hospital different from an asylum is the fact that when the doctor says to you, hey, you just had surgery, you need to take it easy. Or hey, you need to take this prescription to get better. Or hey, you need to get a little healthy and get more active so that you can get that blood flowing and that heart beating and that breath in your lungs again. We go out the hospital doors and actually do what the doctor says. I need you to understand that God tells us to do things for our betterment. That God tells us to do things not because it makes him feel good being in control. He tells us these things because I actually think they're going to help you. Because they're actually going to heal you and restore you and strengthen you. I love that I can go to a God and simply say, you know what God, what should I do? And he tells me and I just say yes. 
You may say, well, I don't audibly hear from God. Yes, you do. It's called this thing right here. All you got to do is read it out loud, and there you go. You've heard audibly from God. I was, just, I was just meeting with someone this week, and they sat down. The first thing they said is, I can't believe the pastor of the church that I visited wants to meet with me. I will be honest and tell you, I love meeting with people from our church. I want to make myself very accessible. But here's the thing. I will tell you, if you sit down and ask me, what should I do? I'm going to tell you. And if you don't do it, you can't get mad. That didn't work. Because and that's what we do with God. See, I'm so glad that I have a pastor who represents God's authority in my life. And Adrian, I want to be that for you in any way that we possibly can. And we've put people in place like our leaders of our circles who can do that for you as well. I'm telling you, this whole idea of love me the way I am or I'm just being me, that's selfish. That's not the things of God. Because you know who didn't say, I'm just being me, love me the way I am? is Jesus when he stepped down from heaven and didn't say, hey, I'm the son of God up in heaven. It's a lot better up here. So you're just gonna have to love me the way I am. You're gonna have to deal with it this way. He said, you know what? No, I'm gonna empty myself. I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna be fully God and fully man here on earth. I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna show you the miracles of God, the power of God. I'm gonna help you see what the love, the unconditional love of God looks like if it walked the earth. And I'm gonna show you that God's honest with you, but he intimately wants to know you and love you so that you can have an authority voice in your life. Now I know that that authority thing has been used and abused, but it's a scriptural practice that if we don't have in our relationship with God, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna be difficult, and it's gonna be hard. Let me give you three things I wanna close with today. And it's an unhealthy quote, a healthy quote, and the God quote. And the worship team's gonna join me on stage as we close. So here's the unhealthy quote that maybe you say in your life to, towards God and towards people. I've made a decision to love you, but it will be within the limitations of how I feel combined with what circumstances will allow. I hope to be able to passionately love you, but it will depend mainly on if I can keep a positive feeling about you and if you keep doing well. I commit to loving you, but want you to know that you will pay if you do me wrong. I'm not going to let you take advantage of me and I will do you good or bad according to what you deserve based on what you do for me. Read out loud, that sounds pretty dysfunctional, but sometimes it's the way the world encourages us to live and it's the easy way to live. Here's a healthy statement of relationship for you and I. So I've made a decision to do what's best for you regardless of my emotions or circumstances. I've chosen to passionately love you, and it isn't based on how I feel about you or how you're performing. I will always endeavor to love you and others with God's love and respond to your failures or that others in a Christ-like and or in a redemptive manner. That's healthy, that sounds good to me. And how can we say it? Because here's what God says to you today. He said, I've made the decision. This is God speaking to you today. He said, I've made the decision, if we could throw it up on the screen. I have made the decision to do what is best for you regardless of emotions or circumstances. I have chosen to passionately love you and isn't based on how I feel about you or how you're performing. I will always love you and respond to your failures with love, grace, and redemption because this will never change. Why do I let God be honest with me? Why do I let him see everything? Why do I trust him to have authority in my life? Because it is the only love I've ever experienced that has no conditions and that never changes. And it's the love that's made available to you, those outside these doors, and 
every single person on our earth today, that they can know the no conditions of God's love, that this will never change. If you're thankful for that, if you're trusting that today, come on, give me a good amen, and let's stand to our feet today as we close. As you stand to your feet, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me?